Today, I'm with Mark Herr from the Center for Self-Governance, and we're gonna talk about the political weaponization of labeling and how domestic terrorism is gonna keep you from defending yourself and America. Welcome to 2A for Today. today is a program where we explore all things Second Amendment, all things that protect, threaten, and violate the Second Amendment rights of all Americans. I'm your host, Zoe. Welcome to 2A for Today. Mark, thank you for joining us on the show today. Thanks for having me back on again. Yeah, it's amazing. It was just a couple of weeks ago. We were in Idaho together, right? Yeah, and then <laughs> you got to fly on a World War II plane. Yeah. And you got, yeah, that was a good time. Scottish Aviation Limited Bulldog. It was one of the, it was a, actually a training plane and ground attack plane. It was pretty neat, a two-seater. It was crazy. <laughs> D D David was telling me how you were like a little bit nervous about the puppy part. Just a little bit. You know, it's kind of like water going over rocks. That's how the wind goes over the airplane. But the rocks don't move. The airplane does. And so I'm holding on to the seat belt, trying to keep my butt to the seat. You know, so when it does go up, I just, I'm stuck to the seat. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty great, actually. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, today we're going to kind of dive into... A couple of things. One of them is uh, the defense authorization is passed, you know, the, the bill that we have to pass every two years to make sure that we have a standing army in America. <sighs> that bill has included some language about red flag laws for our military personnel. Can you kind of talk to me a little bit about what the threat is, or how you see the threat with military members being labeled and then also being prevented from, you know, bearing arms. So this this doctrine of focusing heavily on military veterans um, originates with the 1995 bombing of the uh, federal building in Oklahoma City. Timothy McVeigh was a military veteran, and uh, so there's it was a, an excuse within the various federal agencies to begin. Uh, putting some attention into the what they referred to as the radicalization of, of military veterans coming out of the military. And from that point forward, uh, we move to present day. Uh, we can see like here in 2021 with the January 6th event uh, that uh, military members, uh, retired military veteran, uh, members, veterans uh, uh, were singled out uh, as a, a radicalized extremist, and, and then the Pentagon took this role on of, okay, we're going to do a thorough uh, kind of screening of active duty military members that may have ties to what they defined as uh, radical extremist content that uh, the language used in their, their terminology is uh, countering violent extremism in 2020, and now they've shifted to new language called preventing violent extremism in 2021. Okay. So, okay, wow. Now, you, I, I would expect our government to work on international foreign terrorists. How are they able to, to kind of do that against, I mean, American citizens? That's a great question. So, because of, um, I'm going to go back just a couple years before 1995 and Timothy McVeigh, um, 19. 92, you have Ruby Ridge, um, the media as well as uh, federal marshals, et cetera, 
weaponize the label white supremacy as justifying the use of deadly force in that case. Mm. Uh, the second is 1993, um, where you have the um, uh, Waco event, and this time they weaponized uh, uh, right-wing religious extremism, and they used the ATF in relation to uh, having a large cache of weapons as justification for the use of deadly force in, in Waco. You combine that with the military veteran activity of Timothy McVeigh, those three events, white supremacy, right-wing extremism, military veterans. 1996, to cut this short, um, is when President uh, Clinton at the time convinced Congress to pass the Anti-Terrorism Act in hmm. response. Okay. And what that did was that allowed the Department of Justice to have a longer leash when it comes to collecting exculpatory evidence, and that means like information within the case. Yeah. And then seeking longer prison terms for people that were labeled as being part of domestic terrorism. Now, here's, this is the key, okay? When you put those four things together, Ruby, Waco, McVeigh, and the Anti-Terrorism Act, mm -hmm. at this point, there is no such thing as a domestic terrorism charge in the United States. The only charge is you can be charged as a terrorist if there's an international connection. So, for example, if you came here from, you know, you, you live in the United States, but you've been radicalized by, I don't know, Al-Qaeda or something like that, some foreign, the Russian imperial movement under the Trump administration, he convinced the secretary or the secretary of uh, state, excuse me, uh, added Russian imperial movement as an international uh, terror organization. <coughs> excuse me. The international requirement is the key to being charged as a domestic terrorist. So now let's fast forward to 20, 2001 with the World Trade Center attacks, the yeah, collapse yeah. and the planes and Pentagon and then Flight 93. Mm -hmm. Okay, that was an international terrorist organization sponsored event that happened domestically in the United States. So that's referred to as domestic terrorism okay. because there's an international connection. Okay. Now. The Patriot Act in October of 2001 added the definition of domestic terrorism to that code. Okay. Okay, prior to that, you have the definition of terrorism, you have international terrorism, and in order to be charged as a domestic terrorist, you have to have an international connection. Okay. Okay, with the Patriot Act, they added a new definition for domestic terrorism. But there, as of today, in 2021, there is still not a charge for domestic terrorism without an international connection. So, to cut this short, the elements in our country that are relying on January 6th and call, using the label insurrection, so you'll notice that no one in any of the cases has been charged with insurrection. Because it's... The media is labeling it insurrection, politicians are calling it insurrection, but they cannot actually use the charge insurrection because it doesn't fit like that definition. Yeah. Now they also refer to it as domestic terrorism, but they're doing so not because it's a charge of domestic terrorism or a charge for insurrection. Mm -hmm. They're doing that so that they can create the crisis and generate the narrative to create a federal law that severs the international tie so they can create a separate and independent domestic terrorism charge itself. 
Does this make sense? So they're working to create a new class of criminal in America without... An international connection. Right now, there's a, the, the bill. The, the, the problem that I'm seeing is that if they're able to start putting in red flag laws and ways to, to take you know, the Second Amendment rights away from veterans without the domestic terrorist clause, it, would that be like ways for them to, like, I don't know, um, not, only make, not only make veterans insecure, but, but justify putting people over in the domestic terrorism bracket, the class? You know, like, because obviously they're going to look for, like, I would say a, a trail of criminality and things like that. To, so are those kind of precursors to that? Like, they can not only weaponize the label, but also because you have a history of, like, you know, red flag, because you, you've been given off the signs, so they'll go take your weapons from you, put you in that particular class, try to get you to act out, things like that. I mean, what do you think about that? I'm, I'm just kind of throwing that out there, because it looks to me like they're trying to set people up to, you know, they get so frustrated. What you're, what you're referring to is um, what we call the honeypot gaslight doctrine. And this is the, the new legal doctrine that is being employed by some of these federal agencies like the DOJ and the FBI, where they are assuming that you have a propensity to extremism or radicalization. So the interdiction or pre-crime uh, interdiction becomes part of their modus operandi. So, for example, uh, in, in 20... Um, 2014 or 2015, there was a, a military veteran who had a stroke in Idaho, Priest River, Idaho. And the, the, the VA doctor basically said, based on the stroke and his mental health, that this was a red flag. And so they were going to come and take the veteran's weapons. Now, individuals, Individuals got wind of this, including his representative, because mm -hmm. he called his state rep, and his state rep called people. And so they all decided to show up the day that the VA was going to show up to confiscate his weapons. Now, the media referred to this as a domestic terrorist event. But the sheriff said, I'm not going to allow the VA to come in to take this veteran's weapons. So the VA backed down. But it was too late. The, the, the data point from the media had labeled it a domestic terrorism event. And this was used later, going back to your point, this was used later against one of the Washington state reps that showed up in a future FBI retired investigators report sanctioned by the Democrats, paid for by the Republican Party at the state level, labeling the Priest River event as a domestic terrorism event. But no one was ever charged for domestic terrorism. The reason for that, and this is the important piece, no one was connected to international designated secretary of state designated terrorist organizations. That's yeah. the key. Okay, now, the, the representative from Washington state that this report was done it was, is a, was a military veteran. The military veteran in Priest River, this was because of his mental health. Okay, and, then, and this, is, this has its roots back in 1995. Yeah with um, um, uh, Timothy McVeigh's bombing of the Oklahoma City as, as kind of the starting point, the genesis for this concept that military veterans are a national security threat. So hence, you see all of these other actions this year with January 6th, the Pentagon and their kind of reaction to, hey, we're gonna purge, we're gonna look at uh, military service members, um, social media accounts, and if they're connected to people like Trump or whatever, they started the process of either, you know, removing them from office or relieving them or re-educating. 
the other thing that is in this act that you're referring to is there's a new section on uh, they've added domestic terrorism language, but they don't reference back to Title 18 in this Defense Authorization Act. Basically says, if you're a military veteran and you, you know, engage in acts that appear to intend to intimidate or coerce a civilian population or influence a government policy, then that is grounds for um, a court-martial. Wow. So, so yes, honeypot gaslight doctrine, using the red flag, mental health, it t it's tied to Timothy McVeigh. The advancement of it is January 6th. Now you have the Pentagon, the Department of Defense, and they've added this into the, yeah. to the Defense Authorization Act. So you get, um, you know, officers like Stuart Scheller um, that yes. are being treated as, I mean, a court-martial. Right now he's in the brig for actually speaking about political things. Influencing. Right. So that's, I mean, he's a, he's a product of that. Is that correct? Yeah, it's uh, the other example. Yes, he, he's he's in the brig right now, and, and the justification is that he was ordered not to have any sort of, sort of social media interaction, and he did, and so they threw him into the brig as a result of that. Um, and so you you can see kind of the 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 um, the uh, uh, efforts to advance this honeypot gaslight doctrine that they're assuming that they are they are extreme and they're radicalized and therefore. We are doing this to prevent acts of future violence. Again, this is kind of a, now you're getting into due process doctrine, which is in our country, we, we used to think that it's important that the court system or the law enforcement system, they have to prove your guilt. In this case now, Lieutenant Colonel Scheller is having to prove his innocence and they are holding him in custody because it's for his own good, like taking the weapons away is for their own good. Um, Recently, uh, the Marine who you saw in the pictures with the Marine who was who's picking the baby up over the wall in Afghanistan, that he, he was invited up on the stage by President Trump. And now he's under investigation for being involved with President Trump, who is labeled insurrection, even though he hasn't been charged with insurrection. And again, they label the event as a domestic terrorism event, but no one has been charged with domestic terrorism. So this is the key. Understanding moving forward it's not just the implication of this law and what it means for military folks and red flags. It's the honeypot gaslight doctrine with the end game. Their goal is to sever the international connection requirement that currently exists legally in order to charge anyone who is an American wow. citizen as a domestic terrorist. And, and that, that's critical for your audience to understand is that's the plan. So if, if you want to prevent, if you want to be able to defend America, yeah, yeah. Uh, right? We talked about this before about Plan Z. If you yeah. if you want to avoid Plan Z, yeah. then maybe back at Plan M, prevent the international requirement from being severed from the domestic terrorism charge. That's like a right here, right now kind of plan. We can do those things right now yeah. as a way of preventing, you know, Plan Z. So how do how do we? I mean, what is your recommendation for action? to be able to do that. So I, I have several recommendations. One is at the state level. Your state is so critical as a layer in our dual federal system to protect you from whether it's your perce perception of oppression or whether it's real. It's, it is a boundary for you to have those debates. You have the right to ask these questions, have these conversations like we can now, right? Yeah, yeah. Like my organization is very clear. We do not support political violence in any way, shape or form. But we, we support our dual federal system 
and the la the layers and the boundaries that are built into it for our protections. We absolutely we teach it. Like you can, it's still a thing for you to do. So, number one, meet with your state representatives, state senators, and and just have this conversation. Um, parents, for example, have recently been. You know, the, the National School Board Association has asked President Biden to label parents as domestic terrorists. Yeah. Okay. And this is in relationship to their right to participate in a, a petitioning and by address of remonstrance, uh, their school boards regarding whatever their issues are. Yeah. I don't know all the issues, but whatever their issue are, their right to participate in the political process. The National School Board Association's saying, hey, Mr. President, these people are at like threats and acts of violence. That's all precursors to saying, hey, there's a, we need to counter violent extremism. Yeah. So then, so then literally to, you know, today the attorney general um, puts out a statement that he's ordering the FBI to yeah. start putting their resources into countering domestic terrorism events through parents going to school board meetings. So practically, this is a way for you to go to your state reps and state senators and say, hey, Parents are starting to be labeled domestic terrorists. Military veterans are being held in the brig and being put under investigation for domestic terrorism events. And we have all of these other cases. State rep, state senator sitting down, can, is, can, we, can we think of some solutions where we could protect the citizens of our state yeah. where there's no international connection? So case number one, why not pass a law at the state level that says hey, federal government, you passed a law <coughs> that says you've severed the international requirement, but at the state level of South Carolina or wherever, whatever state you're from, if you can't show us an international connection, then you're the federal government and you, you can pursue that on your own, but we're not going to provide... No, no resources. We're not going to provide any state or local law enforcement resources if you cannot prove an international connection. Okay. Does it make sense? Well, that, that's an example. Yeah. The other is with your congressional delegation. What that means is your, your federal senators and your federal congressmen and women. Start building relationships with them and, and alert them to this attempt to sever the international connections uh, requirement for domestic terrorism charges and say, listen, we want to provide support from you. Could, could you help back us up with our state legislation? We'll help back you up with the federal push across the nation to prevent that these people from severing the international connection uh, for domestic terrorism charges. And, and we need to talk about the repercussions of not doing those two things. If they're able to sever the international connection for as a requirement for a domestic terrorism charge, what that means is you break a window at a government building versus you break a window at someone's house mm -hmm. One is domestic terrorism, the other was breaking a window. Right. It's two different classes of criminal activity at that point. So your ability to protest, your ability to petition, mm -hmm. if all they have to do is say at that point, I feel threatened. <laughs> it's not a matter of your participation and the quality of the participation. It's now all the person has to do is say, I feel threatened make the request like NSB, NSBA did to the president in the last couple of days. And now you have, we have a, we have a serious problem. Yeah, yeah. It's like, what happens if I get into power and I don't like the opposite side, whoever that might be. So now I'm going to weaponize government 
using that as my political chess piece in order to silence my political opposition. That doesn't seem, and as far as our organization is concerned, we teach civics. That, that is very troubling to our organization because it, it's a restriction on everyone's political participation, whether you are left, yeah. right, Democrat, Republican or not. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's, I'm already troubled by the idea that our veterans, you know, suspend their rights just by joining the military. It's almost like you're you know, in 1776 or in the founding of this country. I could not imagine soldiers going to war to fight for their right to have their rights infringed. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm troubled by the whole ordeal, but yeah. I'm, I'm thankful that there's some solutions, you know? There are. Yeah. There are some solutions. And matter of fact, it's important too is, you know, the, the, mil the military um, uh, uniform code of justice is an, is an independent structure apart from federal law. And so... And there's some doctrine buried in there, like we've seen this recently in, in disconnections between, you know, military leaders and their differing mm -hmm. political views and um, how they are weaponizing their positions to do things, whether it's the left or the right. It's, it's, it's incredibly important that our military is left in a position like our courts to be neutral yeah. on domestic things. Um, and and the, the, the people who created the United States intended that the military would stay out of domestic affairs because of these kinds of results where yeah. now, now you have military leaders that are, yeah. yeah. That's why, I mean, our founders really did not want us to have a standing army, you know. And so we're, we're in territory that they did not <laughs> right. plan for us sure. in all yeah. kinds of areas. So. Yeah. But anyway, I, I really appreciate you coming on and talking through some of that stuff with me. You know, uh, it's, I can see ramifications. I can see things coming, but I don't exactly know what's coming. And I uh, thank you for, you know, warning us and, and getting us prepared. Yeah. Well, I hope that you guys find hope that now that you understand what they're doing with the severance and the word, just the word international, that you can use this as an opportunity to build relationships, learn the system and build a team in your community that can work from plan M, you know, hopefully avoid plan z yeah sounds great man thank you brother <laughs> thank you zo that concludes our program today thank you for tuning in to 2a for today in the coming weeks and months we're going to be talking to scholars trainers and all forms of gun right activists and second amendment proponents to answer the many questions that we all have and unpack the various laws and trespasses of our rights that have already been enacted and those that are on the horizon again if the Second Amendment is important to you, make sure to subscribe to the New American Magazine and click on the top daily headlines mailing list so that you get an email alert anytime we upload a video or stream a live event. And share this video with your family and friends and those who you believe are on the fence between liberty and tyranny who need a little more convincing. Again, my name is Zoe. You've been watching 2A for today. Please leave your comments or your questions and we'll try to address as many as we can, as fast as we can in the coming weeks and months. Thank you for watching 2A for today. We live in a world filled with fear and intimidation so that the truth won't be spoken. Presented by The New American, The Ben Armstrong Show says the things that others are afraid to say. Ben Armstrong provides information and truth to arm you against the lies. Welcome to The Ben Armstrong Show. The Arizona audit has come in and despite the fake news, 
by the media, which you knew was going to happen. The Arizona audit, audit proved that the election was stolen, 100% proof, and should be decertified. And yet, how come you didn't hear about the election being decertified immediately? Do you know they had it in the report and they were forced by Republican lawyers to water down in the report the recommendation of decertification? The Ben Armstrong Show. Watch every weekday on the newamerican.com.